0: to have a very interesting show, as you know from listening over and again. We talk a lot about healing on different levels, using different modalities, understanding um, even illness from different perspectives, and today is really no exception to that theme that we love to uh, talk about here on A Better World, because after all, If we're going to have a better world, we better have a whole lot of healthy, well-balanced people to make it happen. In fact, that's really the only way that it will ever happen. So to advance that theme and to further articulate some of its nature, I have invited on a lovely gentleman, Barry Cohen, who is the director and founder of something called the Expressive Therapy Summit, which takes place in New York City and in Los Angeles, on an annual basis. Barry has a very distinguished career, having been in the helping profession, starting out as a child life specialist at Yale New Haven Hospital going back to 1979. In 1982, while director of expressive therapies at Mount Vernon Hospital in Alexandria, Virginia, he developed the diagnostic drawing series known commonly as DDS, we are a world that loves acronyms, a standardized art assessment and award-winning multi-center research project still in use worldwide. Barry Cohen is the author and co-author of numerous journal articles and chapters, co-authored and co-edited three books, including Telling Without Talking, Art as a Window into the World of Multiple Personality, and the workbook, Managing Traumatic Stress Through Art, both published in 1995. Barry has taught extensively in the United States, Canada, and the Netherlands. A professional conference planner and consumer fair promoter, he produced and chaired the Eastern Regional Conference on Trauma and Dissociation back in the uh, late 80s into the mid-90s and was conference manager of the American Art Therapy Association's 2006 and 2007 conferences. Barry joined Expressive Media as executive director. Maybe he wasn't the founder, excuse me, but is executive director since 2008 and has introduced its Institute of the Arts and Healing Spring Institute in 2009. So he has uh, clearly been involved in this path for a long time, and has uh, given forth a tremendous amount of service and continues to. So this is why we wanted to have Barry on as well as to inform you all of the upcoming Expressive Therapies Summit in New York City next week, and of which I will actually be part running a uh, stress management workshop for uh, psychologists and practitioners of all sorts. So Barry, welcome to A Better World. A pleasure to have you.
1: Thank you, Mitchell. A pleasure to be invited.
0: I'm so glad. Uh, you know, you have such a distinguished career. Starting off in a place that I know well, Yale and the environments. I, environments. I grew up in Westport. My sister lived in uh, New Haven for many, many years, and my whole family's from the neighborhood. <coughs> so, I understand the the joy of that area. What could you tell us? What is the child? What is a child life specialist?
1: A child life specialist is a, a health care provider who works particularly with balancing the daily life of children who are hospitalized. Um, as we know, the uh, as they like to say, the main work of a child is play. And so child life specialists help kids to play and be normal as they can be. Uh, when they're confined uh, in hospital for various reasons.
0: What were the reasons uh, of the clients that you had when you were at Yale New Haven? What what were the reasons that child would be there, the children would be there for extended periods?
1: um, I worked, I came straight out of art therapy graduate school and got that job Um, at Yale, because frankly, in those days, it was very difficult to get a job as an art therapist, and um, Yale paid a whopping $13,000 a year salary. Um, (laughs) So I ended up in a unit of adolescents uh, who were there for Rye syndrome, for uh, heart conditions, who were in vegetative states, in halo traction, with cancer, with appendectomies, um, you name it, cystic fibrosis, whatever, the, whatever miserable uh, biological thing that can happen to a, a young person, it was yeah. there. And oh, um, I was coming from a psychiatry background, so it really hit me hard spending my days... Yeah with uh, young, otherwise vibrant people who were really at the bottom of where they could be uh, physically and, and and often psychologically.
0: Yes. When you say you came from a psychiatric background, but you're an art therapist, where did you go to school for art therapy? Uh,
1: I went to the University of Louisville. At the time, it was called the Institute of the Expressive Therapies, and uh, I got my master's degree in art therapy there. And uh, when 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 you go to graduate school to be an expressive therapist, uh, you can take uh, a master's degree in a particular modality, like I chose art, or you could choose uh, dance, or you could choose music or drama, or you could become an expressive therapist with a degree in multiple modalities, uh, which a few schools also offer. So I did I my... I did my experiential training um, at Norton Psychiatric Hospital in Louisville, and um, I really found my niche there working with uh, adult psychiatric patients. So the move to I a see. medical facility with teenagers was quite a shock to
0: my system, I must say. I see. So when you say psychiatric background, you mean psychiatric uh, environments, contexts? Yes. Treatment, yes,
1: inpatient treatment. Institutions.
0: I see. Yes. Yeah, yeah interesting. And it's just because art therapy is such a wonderful uh, kind of a departure from psychiatry at large. Um, you know, it's a welcome departure actually. Although, it was at the American Psychiatric Institute conference at the Hilton Hotel in Midtown Manhattan in 1979 that I met the Simonton's you know, I and uh-huh. I was very impressed, and I was not impressed by the way, with psychiatry, and I've become less impressed as I've learned more over the course of decades, but uh, the Simontons were there, and their use of art therapy for helping cancer kids was phenomenal, and they have the statistics, as you know, to corroborate their incredible therapeutic effects. And what there's, we call remissions.
1: Yeah, there's been a lot written about uh using art uh with uh kids with cancer and such and also using uh imagery to go along with it, whether it's graphic imagery through art making or whether it's visual imagery, which um the sort of the whole uh, there's a whole sort of um Series of things that that grew out of that, starting I would say in the sure. 70s into into yeah. uh, our, our time now, and of course now mindfulness is the uh, is the touchstone for so many people, and that's connects.
0: Yeah. Well. Yeah. 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 Very true. Very true. Very true. In fact, uh, a good friend of mine, Dr. Gerald Epstein, uh, who uh, what did so much to pioneer uh, the use of imagery
1: for healing,
0: and he's written extensively on it. He's got a whole Sounds True series on CD, etc., and has had extraordinary results in using imagery for healing, and that actually has roots back in the Kabbalah. Interestingly, that was one of his teachers in uh, Jerusalem. That's a whole other story, but now you've graduated, so to speak, into doing this um, expressive Therapy Summit, where you're bringing together, Barry, people from so many diverse backgrounds, including myself in this case. Um, talk to us a little bit about what goes on at these summits and what, what we have in store in New York City next week.
1: Sure. Uh, the, the summit is quite a unique venue uh, in that it brings together not only people, professionals from all of the arts, therapies, modalities, which I guess I should say for those who are not so familiar with them, art, music, drama, dance, poetry, journaling, as well as uh, photography and video, and, uh, and play therapists and psychodramatists, uh, brings all of those folks together also with social workers and counselors and nurses and some psychiatrists. Uh, it's a very large tent kind of conference because it's not association based. It's open to everyone, and, and that means mm-hmm. to the public as well. Although it's geared particularly for those in the helping professions, and we this year for the first time, all of our sessions are at least three hours long, which is quite unusual for a lot of training conferences like this. Most will have yes. short. Research presentations and papers and panels and things like that, but we really value um, an in depth experiential approach to adult training and particularly when you're dealing with the arts, if you don't have enough time to do them when you learn about them and really experience them from your own perspective, it's very difficult to translate that into your daily work uh, as as a healer, so to speak. Or as a therapist, as an educator, as a counselor. So um, our sessions cover virtually any topic that you can think of in the field, which is also kind of unusual in that most professional conferences will have a theme. You know, on this, this year it will be on the topic of trauma, or this year it will be about attachment, or this year it will be about geriatrics. We, we don't have a theme, specifically so that any topic that could be of any interest to anybody in our international community is a uh, fair game for consideration for our program committee. So for instance, we have a session on autism. We have a session on uh, cancer. We have a session on geriatrics. We have a session on positive psychology. We have a session on financial trauma, sexual trauma, um, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder from a natural disaster, which of course is a is a very uh, current theme for us in 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 the world today. Um, yeah. We have uh, sessions <laughs> that range from yoga with art therapy to mindful photography to just about any kind of work with kids, with adolescents, uh, with dealing with difficult people and situations. With uh, this year, we have a particular track on. Uh, gender, sexuality, and identity, which is quite fascinating. So as you can, as you can tell, we, we really cover the waterfront, both in approaches to treatment, but also in uh, treatment populations and topics.
0: I, I'm very impressed with the open-mindedness and what I sense is the open-heartedness of the uh, executive director and those who put this together, I feel like there was a been a lot of thought behind this to gather people from so many different uh, backgrounds and put it together in one, you know, seeming nicely knit whole. And I, I feel like it's a testament to all of you who put this together and created it uh, to be as open and creative, actually, and see the thematic through lines through so many different types of approaches. I, uh, I'm, I'm quite impressed with it. I'm quite impressed. Well, with thank it. you. You know, um,
1: your topic yeah. of a better world is what we're after, and the way to do that is obviously to be open-hearted and to be inclusive and to try to share what we all know with anybody else who, who shares our goals and missions.
0: Yes, Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, I I get it. And I, I'm I'm kind of giggling to myself because um of all of the types of uh uh training that I've had, what I'm doing there is one little pinch of the kind of training I've had and um and, and it's all fine. I'm I'm love working with uh, Relaxation therapy, as we call it, and processes of letting go, and Qi Kung, and using the Chinese energetic model to help people relate to themselves and to others, and including for practitioners to relate to clients, and looking at people elementally, if you will, the way the ancient Chinese uh, doctors did and actually still do. Uh, and yet, I have where you went to school in Louisville. I went in New York City to the Institute of uh, Social of what was it called? The Institute of Sociotherapy. Robert Soroka and Ellen. Soroka. Oh
1: yeah,
0: memory you, is working. <laughs> yes, you know them, right? Soroka used to be
1: involved in, in in helping us start the conference eight years ago. Absolutely, yes, Robert and Jackie. And
0: um, isn't that? Oh, well, I guess he got remarried. <laughs> I was with him back when you were doing your internship in the late 70s. So. Yes. <laughs> On East 20th Street. That was a, uh, you know, I was a, I, I was a young kid when I went, and I loved it. I loved it. I studied psychodrama there primarily. I mean, a little dance, a little music therapy. And at my graduate school, I studied a little dance and music therapy too at Antioch, New England. Up in
1: ah, I went to Hampshire College so that we were You went we were to Hampshire? Tendred. Ah,
0: small world. Well, before that I went to <laughs> Bard College. <laughs> there you go. All of a piece, right? But I have since sort of selected those elements Barry, from what I learned with the Sorokas uh, from psychodrama. I also studied with uh, a Jungian analyst, uh, Michael Conforti, uh, who is a very good friend of mine. He's been on these these airwaves a number of times
1: you need to tell oh. him to come teach at the summit because we tried recruiting him.
0: Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, that's such we, a small we'd love world. To
1: have... yeah. Oh
0: my, I will speak with him about it for sure. <laughs> he <laughs> and I went to UMass and I remember we did something like, what did we call it? Um, like, uh, mythotherapy or bibliotherapy, something like that, where we were using psychodrama to get in touch with kind of archetypes that were expressed through the Greek myths. Where did we do that? Middletown College up in Vermont. That's right. <laughs> it was so much fun. And you know, I, what? I stood in for him at UMass once. I'm sorry?
1: Oh, I was just going to say that, that, that my roots were in, in Jungian approaches as well. So we we clearly we, we've paralleled each other along our ways.
0: Oh my God! Yes, yes, that was my background. I met Michael actually originally. Oh, I'm going to date myself. I won't do it. But at the uh, with Zerka Marino at the Marino Institute in Beacon, New York, when I was still at Bard.
1: Sure, so sure.
0: It's just there a fun you go. Thing. But I, yeah, there we go. But I sort of removed the pathology model piece of psychodrama, which always very much irked me, and. Um, I, one of the reasons I enjoy the Chinese worldview is because we speak about imbalances, God knows, but we don't talk about disease and illness and pathology in the same way that we have in the West, which I think from a psychological point of view can actually be rather damaging and, and damning in many cases in the medical world. So Maybe we I've sort have of that for lifted it out of that space. I'm sorry? Yeah, maybe we should talk about that for just a moment
1: because, as you graciously mentioned, I created something called the Diagnostic Drawing Series, and that was always yes. an issue for people of labeling people with a psychiatric diagnosis, and which was part of the part of the process was was using art as a way to help people to, to communicate what was going on with them um, rather than just talking in psychiatry to a psychiatrist. But you know, the thing is, is that the reality in the modern world is, is that most people need to take medicine if there's if they are severely disturbed um and some and some they were not severely disturbed, and the only way to get the right medication is to get to the right diagnosis so i'm I'm not, as much as I have been swayed into the wellness model of thinking, I also think it's important to hang on to the 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 labeling a bit and in, in the disease model simply to be sure that the people who can get better through being properly treated, medicated, uh, hypnosis, what, whatever, uh, get that because they're identified with the, the symptoms that, that, that are, that are torturing them in a sense. Um, so yeah. I just had to make a little I case think
0: for that. that. That's right. No, no. I, I think there's a real case for that and, uh, and a place for that. You know, in my worldview, since I studied uh, neurolinguistic programming with, Richard Bandler and Robert Diltz, who always said, there's a place for everything. It might be a very small place, but there's a place for just about everything.
1: <laughs> anyway,
0: I added that little paraphrase. But, uh, oh, you've, you've
1: hit, you've hit on the, all the greatest hits of Zerka, Moreno, and, and Bandler, and you, you've really had contact with oh. the 20th century greats there. <laughs>
0: Oh, I have been so blessed, Barry. And also, I studied uh, one more step in that direction as I studied with uh, um, two people who lived with Milton Erickson. <clears throat>
1: wow.
0: And they came back to New York to um, Paul Lounsbury and Nancy Winston. They came back to New York to teach Ericksonian thera- psychotherapy and uh, hypno- hypnotherapy. So um, I, I was in a small group that met with them weekly for several years. What a blessing that was! Oh God, yeah. Be- but you're right. All the great the great hits, right? It's like Mozart of psychotherapy.
1: <laughs> Before we have to go, I want to make sure that you let people know that if there's anybody who's in driving distance of, or flying of New York City, that your session and all the others are open for registration by anybody. There are still seats Fantastic. left. And, people- and
0: tell tell us where where they will go for that
1: okay so if they go online to www.expressivetherapies plural summit.com and click on the link for new york because that's the conference that's next week los angeles doesn't happen until april 2018 and um everything is there on that site they can see the whole program they can take an evening course by itself like the one that you're teaching they can take mm-hmm. a day, two days, three days, four days. Um, they can take it for continuing professional education, or they can take it just for fun as thing. long as they don't mind being in a place with so many psychotherapists and counselors.
0: <laughs> that was very funny. That was <laughs> funny. And they will not be diagnosing you, folks. They will not. No, they, we will not no, they won't. That's not what you it's know, about. I want to bring something up on that subject, though, uh, you, you, you put it well, and I agree with you. There is a place uh, for diagnosis. It really can reveal a lot. I, how about this? What if we kept it among ourselves? What if we didn't share the diagnostic category, the DSM you know, notation with them, but we kept it among the group of people or the person who's actually doing the, the work with the person? And if needed medication, of course, it would be as a result of the proper diagnosis. But you see what I mean? Isn't that an interesting way of managing that information?
1: You know, it, it, it is, but there is one evil in the Western world that, that gets in the way of that, and, and it's called insurance companies. Um, and until we get to a new system they always have to know in order to justify the expense, the payment, and, and all of that. But I'm 100% with you that it's not it's necessary idea. to yeah.
0: Yeah. say
1: the word out loud. But unfortunately, the only way to get the coverage is to play that label game uh, with uh, Big Brother. And um, and it, it is a problem. <laughs> but but I, yeah. I'm totally with you. You can be with somebody without having to say out loud what that issue is and do your work in being with them and uh, being on an equal plane and, and sharing the journey together, so to speak.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, I appreciate that. It's, it's it's a it's a valuable conversation to have about that. In fact, um, who gets to know what about whom and when? And I've had clients who have come into me with a diagnosis they research, receive from a psychiatrist, typically, and they're picking it. Over like it's an object. Well, if I'm bipolar, then I understand why I have this symptom and that symptom and this symptom. And they begin to obsess over the various symptoms and they lose all sense of their own leverage over the entire gamut.
1: They've uh, gotten I,
0: lost I, in the diagnosis.
1: And if they could just stop with the recognition of oh, that explains why I have these experiences and then get on with it and not, as you say, turn it exactly. into an object to be overly obsessed about. But, you know, one of the one of the main things I think that we're here talking about is, is the use of the arts. And I can't say enough about um, what we do in terms of giving people a chance to externalize stuff that's inside of them, without necessarily having to talk about it. But just to let it out and to let those of us who are trained in reading the message recognize it and then do the kind of work that you're talking about. And, oh, and it's God. it's so wonderful to be in a place where hundreds of people from, from everywhere in the world understand and know that and understand the value of a gesture in space, of a marking on the paper of a sound played, um, and what it can do to, to help people to feel better, to get better, to be better, to communicate. Um, it's, it's just a wonderful thing. So I, I, can't, rec- I can't overemphasize uh, the importance of people getting a sense of how the arts can help uh, in, in healing. I really can't.
0: Oh, God. So appreciate it. That was such a, an important point that you make, this whole space of nonverbal communication and using the arts, which, has, which have been used therapeutically for thousands of years, and it might not have been called that, but ask any artist, ask any musician, ask any dancer, how they feel before and after. And you... We know. I'm yeah, so exactly. Thrilled. I mean, in the beginning,
1: it was religion, and then it became something else, and then it became something else yeah. again, and now we're trying to to integrate and bring all of those things back—the the mind, body, and spirit connections—with uh, with the art.
0: Absolutely. So, say the the website yet again for anyone who would be uh, within any distance of New York City next week who really would want to attend?
1: Sure. It's next Thursday through Sunday. It's taking place uh, at a a site in Times Square, 48th and Broadway, as well as sessions at Pratt Institute in Brooklyn and the College of New Rochelle in New Rochelle, New York. And the website with all the information is
0: Com. That's wonderful. Well, Barry, I want to just thank you so much for having con- constructed it, convened it. I know it's a tremendous amount of work. I've done different things of the sort myself, and I know what it takes. A huge amount of effort, and uh, thank you. Thank you so it's much. It's truly my pleasure. Thank you so much. And being a guest on the show today. Absolutely. For the... Will I be seeing you there? Uh, you might, uh, but uh it's
1: sometimes difficult for me to get over to Brooklyn when I'm running the facility in Times Square. So Exactly.
0: Right. Well uh as, as a faculty member can do I uh, I'm
1: sorry? Next year you'll do something different and you'll come to Times exactly. Square. Exactly.
0: Exactly. That sounds great. Well, um if I walk in, will I be able to uh at least say hello to you? Well, absolutely. If I get to Times Square. absolutely. Great. Yeah, you okay, just I'll, ask for I'll me and I they'll can come do. get.
1: Thank you. Excellent.
0: Thank you again. Take care. now. Take care. Barry Cohen, the Executive Director of the Expressive Therapy Summit, which I will be part of, as he said, and so will literally dozens upon dozens of other <clears throat> therapists and healers and healthcare practitioners of all stripes and sorts. It's really quite... I been looking over the website and just enjoying it so much. There's such variety. I'm kind of picking through it and thinking, what would I like to go to? How can I learn more so I can be a more effective therapist and counselor myself? Uh, It is funny because I do have this background, of course, in psychodrama, as it's called, but as I've renamed it, reframed it, therapeutic theater. I just like that sound, and I'm very language sensitive, and I feel that language goes into us and speaks its language to us in very particular ways, so the music of it, the sound of it, the shape of the words and all uh, have a real effect on psyche, and uh, we want to be sensitive to it, so, well, that's part of my contribution what can I say, so again, ExpressiveTherapySummit.com and uh, Shirley, please do come and participate by being in the uh, groups. There are many of them. The choice is large, and uh, we'd love to see you there. So, for more information about A Better World, make sure to go to www.abetterworld.tv tv. We have a free weekly newsletter announcing who our guests will be or what the topics will be. Sometimes I just speak about various topics and themes on this show, and we have a community cable television show in Manhattan every week as well, Monday evenings at 7pm and uh, that's something else that you could really enjoy this last week we had Dr. Batman Gellage, the Iranian physician talking about the healing properties of water and uh, that <clears throat> Illness largely comes from dehydration. Wow! That's an interesting idea. So these are the kinds of things that we cover here a lot on the environment and progressive thinking, paradigm shifting across the board. So make sure you become part of a Better World community and family for more on the kind of work that I do with individuals and largely with couples, because it has a lot to do with communication and healthy communication between couples and dealing with, yes, things such as mediation and conflict resolution. Uh, Go to mitchellraben my name of course, mitchellraben.com and that's with two L's. So uh, that's it for now, folks. I Really hope to see you at the upcoming uh, next week's Expressive Therapies events. And this is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World. And I look forward to seeing you all at the conference and next week.